Josh and Welcome back to another episode of Fresh and Buds. I'm your host, Tommy Fresh, and you are all my buds, and we have a great episode for you this week. We are joined by Kale from Dead Summer Art, a great lore YouTube channel, and we're going to get into that in a bit. I wanted to hop on before we jump over to the main show and just talk a little bit about the calling Indianapolis, which I attended this past weekend um I, I had the pleasure of of watching the finals which was awesome congratulations to michael hamilton for taking down two callings in a row which is pretty incredible unprecedented obviously and also i want to give a shout out to uh young ji yang a great player who plays at highlander games here in jersey uh, good good uh guy that i've become friends with over the past few months and uh, he also took down the battle harden with our boy Starvo, and we we talk a little bit about Starvo in in the episode today, but uh, it's neither here nor there. But I wanted to give a little update on my performance. Obviously, not type top eight in either events. I uh, went three and four with Viserai in, in the main event. Obviously, not making top two uh, or not top two the Day two, uh, I, I had to move this past week, so I did not get uh, the amount of reps with the deck that I would want, but uh, it was interesting to play the deck. It's not necessarily my style. I would say that I I played the whole day. I played the all, all seven rounds, and, and then, you know, after going three and four, I went back to my hotel room. I was like, I just knocked everything off my desk i'm like i'm, I'm playing something in the battle hardened that i want to play and i i brewed a a pretty fun leviah deck you know that i love leviah and it was playing ravenous meat axe uh maybe i will be doing a video on the list itself i did go four and two with that and you know not not good enough to make the top eight but uh the losses were very close and i feel pretty good about the deck and the list going forward and I'll continue to tweak it and, and test with it. Uh, other than that, I did play a Blitz event, a Team Blitz event, event with Mo Bogsley and, and Josh from Hometown TCG. So I wanted to give them a shout out, even though Mo uh, seemed to really like to rub in my face that he really likes ranch dressing over blue cheese dressing. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Hollow on Twitter, who who did get a playmat. Uh, he, he, he wasn't able to bring a blue cheese to the event because he flew in and he, he couldn't bring it on the plane, but he did order it and have it sent to my house and I already have it, which is awesome. And, uh, I, I do want to give a, sh a shout out to the coverage team, uh, you know, uh, Tan and Grace, Brian Gottlieb and, and, and my good friend, Matt DeMarco, AKA Flake. Uh, so, uh, but I want to jump into the episode now but i just wanted to kind of cover all of that it was a great weekend um it was great to see some friends meet some people and 
very very excited for the game. It was a, a, a successful weekend for Flesh and Blood, and I think it only bodes well for things going forward. So without further ado, uh, I'm going to jump into the the actual show with Kale from Dead Summer Art. All right, welcome back to Fresh and Buds. I am your host, Tommy Fresh, and I'm joined by a good bud of mine today, Mr. Kale, uh, also known as Dead Summer Art on YouTube. How you doing, Kale? I'm doing pretty good, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a little early over uh, there in Australia right now, right? Uh, to an extent, yeah, 10 a.m., um... I'm not one to really wake up before 10, so <laughs> I might sound a little bit sleepy or be a little bit delusional in my uh, topics that I talk about today, but uh, yeah, no, nah, I'm doing all right. That's all right. A little delusion is 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 fun, especially when we're kind of going to get into a lot of uh, lore and stuff like that today because, you know, that's your specialty. And, and you know what? I think it's a very important part of the game, and I'm excited to kind of really dig dig a little deep into that. Uh, with you today because um, I'm going to be honest with you I am not so much of an expert on lore I appreciate the lore and I appreciate flavor Um, and you know even even when it comes to the heroes I like to play and the play style that I like to play um, I kind of choose on on what feels good to me flavor wise and you know Mm -hmm. Leviah is is my favorite and you know Maybe it's not the best deck to play, but it is it is the the coolest. I think she's awesome, and she has a lot of faithful servants like uh, like Man Sant on YouTube is a uh, you know I, mm. I, I saw him on at uh, the the calling over the weekend. He had his his pink hoodie on that said Levi's faithful servant. So, um, <laughs> which is yeah. pretty 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 awesome, honestly. Uh, but uh, I'm very happy to introduce you. Uh, to you know, all the buds out there, all the listeners, uh, you know, I'm sure a lot of you have um, seen Kale's stuff on on YouTube under the Dead Summer Art channel. But uh, I, I kind of want to get a, a little bit of a background um, on on you and your channel. Um, I first stumbled upon your channel when you spoiled your Tales of Aria preview card, Sutcliffe Sweet Hides. Uh, which was a great video. I was like, wow, this is like next level. Uh, you know, I was like, okay. At, at the point, like at that point, I had been doing the podcast for like two months and I didn't have a spoiler card. And I was like super excited to see all these spoiler cards. I didn't have one for Everfest either, but hopefully the next set. But, you know, and I yeah, was like, I was, I was looking at your video. I was like, oh my God, this is like next level. So, um, <laughs> I, I, you know, I've been itching to get you on the podcast. I'm glad we finally got to do it. But uh, mm. let's let's, uh, let's get into a little background. Yeah, does that sound good, Kale? Sure. Yeah, it uh, sounds good. Um, so I want to know before Flesh and Blood, what what were you doing? Were you playing any other TCGs or, <clears throat> or, or any kind of games in general? Um, I guess throughout all my life, ever since I was about five, I've been a video gamer. Um, I really dug into Call of Duty for many many years. Um, when I played that, I then ended up switching over to more PC gaming. I got really into Counter-Strike for a while to the point where I was like wanting to try be a pro, even though that was probably, you know, way past my skill level. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then 
just throughout the years in high school, I got introduced to Magic the Gathering, um, played that on and off for many, many years. Um, yeah, it was, it was mostly Magic the Gathering, and I started to more so move into the more physical, traditional tabletop gaming side, so I started playing D&D, um, you know, board games and whatnot, but Magic the Gathering was fairly... It was fairly big, I'd say, in terms of the things that I played. Um, it was one of the things that took up a lot of my time. Um, but I was starting to get a bit burnt on it, just from a lot of the things that Wizards of the Coast was doing at the time. Um, I just didn't like the direction the game was going in, and mm. it just so happened that uh, around the time I was starting to get burnt, uh, a little game we know as Flesh and Blood uh, <laughs> was announced that it was coming out soon and i was like hey this looks pretty good you know <clears throat> we actually had a uh, a little demo kit that was sent to my uh lgs that i work at because i actually work at an lgs oh nice um and uh i was the one that received the package and i was like huh what's this you know i asked my boss did you order this he's like no nah, you can open it so i opened it and it had um two ira welcome decks and uh some info about the game and uh I, I said to, to one of the regulars that was in the store at the time, hey, you want to try it out? So we tried it. And, you know, he thought it was cool, but he wasn't really into it. And I was like, hey, you know, I, I really vibe with this. It's got like a a similar fantasy aesthetic to Dungeons and Dragons, which I'm really into. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was keeping an eye on when the game was coming out. And I begged and begged my boss to, <laughs> to stock it. I'm like, please stock this game. I really want to play it. And eventually he caved. He said, all right. We'll get it in, but you have to run every single event. And I've run every single event at the store since. <laughs> wow, really? Ever uh, since? Do you want to shout out the, the LGS that you work at? Yeah, Alandriel Games in Albany, Western Australia. Uh, we're the only LGS in Albany. Because <laughs> okay. we've, we've only got like 35, 40,000 people here. Um, but uh, yeah, I've run every single event. Uh, we've got a small but very tight-knit community there. That That's really good. And, uh, yeah, we've, we've been playing the game since it came out. So, day one. That, that's that's awesome to hear, you know. And there are the kind of... And I've played a little bit of D&D myself. That, like, that kind of aspect of, you know, you have your armor and your equipment, like, out in the field. Mm. You, you have your character where, you know... And, you know, this is a common theme of... of of people I talk to in the game and that people I've had on the podcast that, you know, former magic players kind of become disillusioned with, you know, that community, that game, what wizards of the coast was doing. Um, You know, we can harp on that all day, but it it is what it (laughs) is. Right. Um, But, you know, magic also had a very deep lore and, you know, it's also the same company Mm -hmm. that makes, uh, you know, Dungeons and Dragons, um, you know, at least to a certain extent, you know, obviously people can mm. kind of expand on that however they want. But um, did, did you get into the lore in Magic like you did with Flesh and Blood? Or was there something a little bit different about Flesh and Blood that kind of led you to this this kind of uh, really cool YouTube channel? Um, I did kind of get a little bit into the magic lore. Um, it's, it's a weird one. So 
because magic's been around for so many years, there's like a ton of lore for it, mm-hmm. but it's kind of scattered a lot. Um, I, I've always kind of hearkened back to the fact that planeswalkers in Magic: The Gathering became sort of the focal point for the story. That I actually kind of didn't like it. Um, mm-hmm. I, I feel like. Uh, I'm not sure if you've played Magic before. Have you played Magic? Much? Yeah, yeah. I was a I was a big Magic player probably for like 12 years. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yep. yeah. So you know all about Planeswalkers. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, yeah. So because you know Magic for all of its sets it wants to jump between planes of existence. I feel like because Planeswalkers are kind of the only thing that tie the planes together. That like. The, the story on each plane almost feels like it's just one and done and it doesn't really have any lasting effect. Like, there there are some elements that I've seen where, you know, they'll connect things from Kaladesh to Ravnica and, and Ixalan and, you know, there's this whole War of the Spark thing and, yeah. you know, that makes sense. But I feel like it's just kind of... There's no lasting sort of effects that I can see on each plane that they seem to go back to often. I don't like the idea from a lore perspective of them just doing one set per plane of existence and then moving on. I actually preferred it when they did blocks where it was, mm-hmm. you know, they had an introduction to the to the plane. The middle set was kind of the, um, the rising of a conflict and then the third set was the resolution. I thought that was really cool. You got to spend like a good six to nine months of a year invested in the story of a certain plane and now it's just like oh yep two months later it doesn't matter you know <laughs> yeah, um, yeah that's interesting that you say that and um just to interject there i think and you mentioned war of the spark and we don't have to talk about magic a lot but like that that was like one of the the weirdest turning points for me uh, as a magic player at the time uh, in terms of my investment into any kind of the stories, right? Was, you know, they, they were like, it felt like to me, they were like, we need our own Avengers Endgame or something like that. Yep, yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh, okay. And it also ended up being like one of the worst sets ever. And like, whatever you could, you could talk you know about that on the <laughs> magic podcast and, and, you know, probably for like 10 hours, but yeah, you don't know, talk about the uh, the books that came out for War of the Spark. We don't talk about that. <laughs> oh, yeah, and I and, and you know that's how far out of it I am. I didn't even I, I never really read any of the the literature that came with uh, with Magic, but uh, you know, as it is interesting that you, you bring that stuff up. That you know the the blocks um, kind of sets <clears throat> that we saw were actually just a lot more just made more sense as a as a story and. and and, uh, mm. you know, I, I will say, like, you know, I do have qualms with supplemental sets in, in Flesh and Blood not being draftable. And that's, like, pretty much it. I think other than that, they're really great because I love, mm. I love the draft, right? But, you know, <laughs> it, it, it was kind of cool to get the Tales of Aria and then, like, oh, let's dive deep into Everfest. So, um, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. It's, yeah. it's, like, kind of a long-winded, long-winded thing. But so you're obviously a little bit more into the lore of flesh and blood than you were with magic yeah just i guess just a little bit more you know (laughs) (laughs) um yeah no i i really got into it um i think the reason why was because it was so similar 
I guess, in aesthetic to Dungeons and Dragons and just mm-hmm. campaigns I've run. Um, and it just feels more uh, relatable or like I actually, I just care about it more because they've taken time to establish these regions and really give them their own unique identity that and in a similar way to why in magic the gathering the the guilds of ravnica were so popular or Mm -hmm. the clans of tarkia were popular is because they gave gameplay mechanics their own sort of feel and aesthetic so people could really be like yes you know uh solana is is the region i love the most or like the savage lands i really love the savage lands and it just you get more of a devotion to it i guess it it i'm trying to figure out the words to explain it it's it's the reason why in this game and any games like video games especially that have characters instead of classes that you just play and make your own character for like League of Legends, Apex Legends, mm-hmm. uh, Overwatch, Rainbow Six Siege. They have characters, so it's not just whatever you make it. It's it's predefined stuff that people can really connect with. And, you know, you'll have people go, you know, man sent, you know, Leviah mm-hmm. is his mate. <laughs> so, and then you get these diehard fans and they really dive into it. And it's, yeah, it's just, it's almost the vessel for their passion that they can just like focus on certain aspects of the law and really connect that to their personality that I think gives the flesh and blood law more prominence over Magic the Gathering where I guess the closest thing in Magic the Gathering would be the Planeswalkers but there's there's so many of them and so many of them just aren't fleshed out and mm-hmm. you know yeah I think that's that's the reason why I got more into flesh and blood law is cuz it's more uh easy to to connect with so yeah, and it does feel like, at least, you know, obviously from a lore perspective, but also from a gameplay perspective, that it each hero really feels like they're doing a thing that is so specific to them. I I I, tr- I, I can't think of maybe outside of like Ira and Katsu, which is you know it's whatever you know they're, <laughs> they're both ninjas from like the beginning of the game. I can't think of two heroes that are kind of doing the same exact thing. Like you look at like Dorinthia, right? Dorinthia is doing, you know, just swinging with the, the Dawnblade and, you know, mm. kind of trying to hit twice and stuff like that. But and then you look at the next warrior they printed, Bolton. Bolton's like got a, a whole new identity, you know? Yeah. Which is, is so cool. And if like you do not feel like you're playing the same warrior deck when you pick that up as opposed to like you know magic where like you know you're you're maybe your mono blue like planeswalker your jace is always going to have some kind of jace um like you know jace kind of thing going on and then the next blue one is like probably going to be a little bit similar to jace in 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 a way yeah but there's there's not really any disparity between um i'm not even sure if that's the right word disparity between like a mono blue deck from one set to another it's like kind of all the same yeah, you know, yeah. just slightly different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, which which is, is is a really cool thing, and and and, and I think it's a, a a real reason why Flesh and Blood is seeing a lot of success, and and you know, kind of gets us excited for things like this uh, classic battles um, set that yes. we're getting in in the end of May with with Dorinthia and Reinar, 
Uh, we're gonna, like, it's even exciting that we're going to get just a couple new cards out of it. And, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm excited to, to get it because it's going to have a little bit of lore in there. They're going to have like a little booklet, right? Yes, I am super excited for that. <laughs> I've already pre-ordered my own copy, so oh, yeah. I'm, I'm very keen to see what it actually is. I almost feel like it's going to be a short story booklet, but... That'd be you know. kind of neat. That'd be kind of neat. Kind of just like, you know, explain what's going on between these these two heroes, these two characters that, you know, came from the, the you know, the beginning of the game. And, and that's even like a cool thing um, that you don't see in a lot of games where... Um, I feel like sometimes games will kind of step away from their origin and then like years down the line, they'll kind of return to it. And and then at that point, it only feels like the, the old heads can only really enjoy it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Where, where I feel like LSS is kind of keeping the, their or own origin in mind moving forward, uh, which, you know, I think is pretty cool. So you got into flesh and blood. You were working at this LGS. How often do you get to play? Um, I get opportunities to play at least once a week. Uh, so we have like a um, an open play night that we have. So like every Wednesday night uh, at six o'clock, we'll just have space available where anyone who wants to come in and play can play whatever decks they want. You know, Blitz Constructed, Pit Fight. Um, that's that's always a once a week thing that I always try and attend. Um, and then every second Sunday, we normally have some sort of tournament mm-hmm. or like actual event. That will be like an armory event. Um, so I always play at those. I've only missed one over the past two odd years. I've only missed one event. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's not too bad. So I, I get to play at least once a week, um, depending on how i'm feeling if i'm really craving it sometimes i'll jump on tabletop simulator i have some friends that i can play with online um but yeah i i i don't get to play it as much as you know tournament grinders and stuff where i see them playing a couple games every single day but um Mm -hmm. yeah you know i i get to play it fairly often i'd say so well i mean that that's enough to you know kind of call yourself a flesh and blood player you know Mm. there's all different kinds of levels of, of players and, 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 you know, like during this, like pretty intense competitive season, it could be hard to, to see that. I think, uh, for a lot of the casual mm. players out there, you know, cause you know, we go on Twitter and we go on social media and stuff like that. We see, you know, people at callings and pro quests and stuff like that. They're just grinding, yeah. grinding, grinding. <laughs> and, you know, it, which is great. I actually think that's a very integral part of the success of the game. And I think it's awesome. I love mm. participating in that. But I also love, you know, the the casual side of it as well, and and to be able to just kind of play when when you want to, um, which which is which is um, pretty important. So that's a good level to be at as well, because we you know some of us you know have busy lives. I wish yes. I could <laughs> I wish I could play more like the grinders, but you know it, sometimes you know you gotta like move apartments last minute and stuff like that. So it it is what it is. So. Do you you want, or or not do you want, do you have a favorite hero in the game from a gameplay perspective? And then I want you to tell me, do you have a favorite hero in the game from a lore perspective? 
Yes, I certainly do. Um, anyone who knows me uh, semi-decently knows that I absolutely love Viscerai. <laughs> uh, both from gameplay and lore. Uh, Viscerai is my main that I play. Um, I've been playing him ever since he came out. Um, a, a little bit of that is to do with uh, some spoiler cards I've been given. But <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I've... As a, as a magic player in the past, I always loved combo decks where you could just make some sort of janky combo and and I really loved trying to go against the grain of the meta. Um, I always felt like, you know, net decking and stuff was kind of just boring. Like, you know, if you want to be competitive, I understand it, but I think half the fun of a trading card game is trading the cards and building your own deck. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I always loved making janky combos and... I think that fed really well into Viserai just because he's more of a a tempo orientated hero where you really have to pace your your turns out and kind of forward plan a little bit. Um, you know, you might draw a hand that's all non-attacks, um, so you have nothing for your non-attacks to feed into like attack actions. So you have to kind of plan it out and you have to play this delicate. Uh, <laughs> stumbled over my words there. this delicate dance is what i was trying to say uh between yeah. playing your your non-attack actions and your attack actions and and trying to get the most out of both and knowing when to switch it up i think that's just such an interesting play style um for for the game uh, instead of just going oh you know i've got a handful of attacks i'll just play them out in the most efficient order you know um and then from Law, I just think he's such a, a an interesting character, you know, uh, someone who we don't know much about their origins. They just mm-hmm. washed up on the shore of the Demonastery. Uh, they were some sort of warrior from Volcor, it's assumed. And then this man starts doing experiments on him, and he's he's now re-alive. He's, he's come back to life, but he's not the same. But they're still fragments of his of his past mind there that he can start to fight back against his master and and kind of carve his own place in the world like he's a very he's a lost soul he's a wayward soul um which you know i can i can kind of relate to a little bit in my own personal life not knowing where i belong um, mm-hmm. and trying to find my own sort of niche i feel like viscera is a bit like that you know especially now that uh he's kind of not under the thumb of of Sutcliffe anymore and he's kind of free to do his own thing it's i'm very interested to see where that goes uh you know is he going to travel back to volcor is he going to continue to help chain in the demonastery you know it's 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 it can go anywhere he's a uh, morality is is very gray around viscerai and i like it when things are are gray where you can really feels sympathy for someone who has done horrible things. I mean, Viscerai has brutally murdered multiple people, but, you know, <laughs> yeah. were those people deserving of being murdered? Maybe, you know, is he is he a hero or is he a villain? You know, he's kind of an anti-hero, which is, you know, that's why characters like uh, the Joker or Harley Quinn in, in yeah. superhero movies are popular because you can see hints of of humanity and good in them but you know they don't necessarily tap into it all the time so (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. i actually you know the viscerai kind of 
fandom and and kind of like uh i, I believe the viscerai fans are are, are uh very great and in number and 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 in personality <laughs> Uh, for a long time, ever since, e- even even in the days of Viserai not being, you know, the powerhouse competitively that it is right now, um, mm. it's it's you know not quite uh, you know stomping on the Starvos and the prisms of the world, but <laughs> it's still up there in in the big three, as I mentioned last week with Pat, who was on the mm. show. Uh, but it, it is <laughs> it's nice to see as a Leviah player. And I can I can also relate this to the Azalea players out there. Um, <laughs> it is nice to see um, one of the, the low tier decks finally get their time yeah. in the sun, and and it is exciting. I I am excited for the Viscerai fans out there, and and I mentioned it at the top of the show in the little intro before we got into the interview that I I did play Viscerai for the first time this past weekend. Um, I will say not necessarily my um uh what's the, how how can i say this the i know the, you've got strong words for viscerai <laughs> I, not, not even it's like it's just not it's not the way i like to play i think it's which yeah. is which is fine i think that's that's the beauty of this game is 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 like literally every hero has their own play style which is so cool and mm. and um and a lot of that comes from the top down too which is really really neat but um have you read the lore book kale i have i actually have my own copy um which i'm very fortunate of um initially because the lgs i uh i work at was one of the first uh what was the phrase that they used Uh, it was like early supporters i think was the phrase Mm mm-hmm um, of Flesh and Blood, we got sent a retailer appreciation kit, which does come with a law book. Uh, so we had one at the store. So when I was starting to get into law and look into it, you know, possibly making videos for YouTube at the time, um, you know, I was able to, to read it all. And then when I started actually making videos, um, I had James White reach out to me and he goes, do you have a law book? And I was like, oh, I'm kind of borrowing one at the moment from the store. And he goes, oh, I'll send you your own copy. So, Oh, that's um, awesome. I, I do have my own, co- own copy, which is amazing. It's such a nice collector's piece, especially since now that the game's gotten so big, you start to realize how rare some of the stuff you've gotten in the early days is. Oh, um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I definitely do have a law book and I have definitely read it. Uh back to front multiple times <laughs> oh that's so cool now was the lore book like reading it so you, you mentioned that's when you started making videos was that the driving force in in kind of uh inspiring you to make i mean your your lore videos which are very excellent by the way <laughs> thank you <laughs> make my head big um <laughs> <laughs> well I'm, uh, only, I'm only saying that because I, I think i'm gonna be in one soon right <laughs> yes yes <laughs> maybe um, i don't think I don't think I've actually announced that yet. It, it's been a it's been a while coming, just due to life and stuff getting in the way. But it is in the works. Tommy will be in a law video with some amazing voice acting work, which is once it's put to music, it's just oh, it gives me chills, man. It's like a movie trailer. I'm <laughs> so excited to see the finished product because you know I I when I sent you the audio file, and this is some inside baseball for the listeners, but I sent you the audio file. I'm just listening to myself doing do some kind of accent and i'm like oh man i hope this 
turns out okay. But I, I have complete faith in you, my friend, to make it yeah. uh, into a really excellent video, which all your videos are. So, uh, but yeah, Thank so you, you can. Uh, <laughs> uh, that yeah, was the, uh... the driving force, uh, the Lord um, book. Yeah, I. So I've always wanted to do some sort of creative endeavor, um, whether it was art, whether it was video making. I've even considered music, even though I'm probably not the best at music. <laughs> um, and I'd always been looking for some topic in particular to dive into because I didn't want to start a YouTube channel with no direction. Mm -hmm. I think it's it's important to know your your target audience, your target demographic, and to also make content that you yourself would enjoy. And I've always loved YouTube channels that are like dedicated to a particular topic and less sort of all rounders. Like there's nothing wrong with all rounders and I do enjoy many all rounders, but I think mm -hmm. I really love getting stuck into the back catalog, especially of like, I'll find a new YouTube content creator that's making, you know, some, some content that I really enjoy. Um, and they're very dedicated to the topic and I'll just start binge watching all of their stuff. So, um, when, when I saw the law book, I knew that law for flesh and blood was going to be a big thing. And this was essentially, it was almost like a free script for a bunch of videos to an extent. Mm -hmm. I try not to just parrot whatever LSS puts out. Um, I think it's important to put your own sort of spin on it and tell the tale in your own words. Um, but it was essentially like an encyclopedia of the majority of like the outlining and foundational law for the game. And I was like, this is, this is the perfect resource for my channel that I, you know, was thinking of making. And I'm like, I could totally make videos using the law book as my reference and, and start to come up with, um, you know, narrations of stuff that's in the law book and also coming up with my own theories because uh, I think theories are just as important as actually discussing what's released because uh, that helps, you know, build hype and, and discussion around the game. Uh, so, yeah, it was... I'd definitely say that was a big catalyst now that you've you've said that to me. I haven't really thought about it, but that was probably a big catalyst for for why I actually started creating the content just because I had such a good resource to, to turn to, so... Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can imagine, you know, sitting there, you know, working at the LGS, kind of, you know, playing the game a little bit, getting that lore book and, and looking through it, which which the lore, you know, I think everybody talks up the lore in Flesh and Blood. I don't think I've ever heard a negative thing about the <clears throat> lore in Flesh and Blood. You know, we, you know, we've we've heard negative things about balance and stuff like that, but you yeah. know this is this is not that podcast the 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 lore has been so consistent and and i think they've won on a uh a top-down design level you mm. know relating back to the lore uh pretty consistently at least since i've been playing the games and almost a year ago uh now but now what is your creative process when you decide to sit down and make these videos? So you've, you've received a couple of preview cards. So 
um, both uh, the suede, um, Sutcliffe suede hides um, for mm. Tales of Ario and and Revel in Runeblood for Everfest. Uh, did you did you have any before then? Yes, uh, my first spoiler card was for Arcane Rising. I actually spoiled Nebula Blade, oh. uh, which was really cool. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I I had been reached out to... It was actually after my very first video, which was just a general overview of the World of Wraith. Um, mm-hmm. Ian uh, Kenderdine from... Um, oh, he was working for LSS at the time as the community manager. He had seen my video and he reached out and he's like, hey, do you want to partner with LSS? And I was like, yes, after one <laughs> video. Yes, of course. Um and he's like, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll send you a spoiler card, you know, we'll give you a bunch of lore for it too. And I was like, no way, this is this is nuts. Like, That's so cool. This is the first time anything like that happened. So I got Nebula Blade as my first one with a bunch of lore. Um, and then the second card after that was uh, Sutcliffe's Research Notes, mm-hmm. uh, which also had a ton of lore to it. And then my third card was the Lord Sutcliffe Mentor, which had a bunch of lore to it. Seeing um, some which was uh, crazy theme here. Yeah, um, <laughs> and then you know Sutcliffe Suede hides, and then Revel and Runeblood. Um, so they were the cards I had uh, been given for for spoiler seasons. Um, LSS has specifically said to me in emails they consider me the Sutcliffe guy, so they send me all the cards with with Sutcliffe lore in it. So, <laughs> oh, I, I love to hear that. It's, that's also very comforting, um, even as just a, a player to hear the LSS kind of just like recognizing that it's like, yeah, it feels so human. Right. I, I don't know if that makes sense, but it feels like, like a, yeah, a company yeah. can be very humanized when they're like oh, looking at their creators and be like, Oh, this is I mean, recognizing that, you know, you're a room blade fanatic and a Sutcliffe, <laughs> their Sutcliffe guy, I guess. Um, yeah. <laughs> but um, I, I do have a question since you did spoil Nebula blade. Uh, yes. how, how much do you hate Rosetta Thorn? Because I, I remember playing <laughs> Nebula Blade before Rosetta Thorn was out because it was it, it was the best option at the time. Um, so I both love and hate it. So <laughs> I I love it because it's such a good weapon. I love the theme behind it. I love the the sort of aesthetic of it, you know, very nature-based rune blade, which was so different to any other rune blade we had before. Because normal rune blade of Viserai and Shadow rune blade, very similar mm-hmm. um, in terms of theme. Um, but just elemental rune blade was just something different. It was it was quite spicy, which I quite liked. The reason I hate it is because it's not an elemental rune blade weapon. Yep. What were they thinking? What the <laughs> hell were they thinking? I, don't, I do would... not know. Why would you give that to me as a Viscero player? You've, I mean, thank you, but you've just <laughs> given me a loaded gun and you're like, just leaving a gun on the table and you're like, I know there's people you don't like. Here's a gun. And it's oh like, you know, what, 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 why'd you do that? Why'd you do that? Now I'm going to use it. You know? <laughs> that... I'm going to use it and I'm just going to wreck face. <laughs> so I only use Rosetta Thorn in my deck at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I think I mean, it's the best option. And, you know, it, 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 it did seem it seem a little ridiculous. And, and we'll get I, I have a question for you later in the podcast about sure. <laughs> uh, some some lore misses in design. And, you know, obviously that one might be. Uh, making the list uh, 
<laughs> for both of us. Uh, but uh, now I got to ask you, are there some heroes from lore or flavor text and cards that you hope to see in future sets? Like any, any, any in particular? Um, there was mention of a, it was on the card Lightning Press. Uh, there's mention of a Crimson Haze Rebel. Uh, I forgot what her name was. But the reason that she appears in the flavor text of a Lightning card Mm -hmm. makes me very excited for the prospect of a potential Lightning Ninja, Mm -hmm. which would be sick. um, Because Lightning Press is obviously a callback to Lunging Press, which has, even though that's a generic card, it's it's been kind of a ninja thing. Um, So uh, whatever her name was, I'm interested to see her. Um, Who else? I know there's a few. Um, I'm interested to see who the illusionist is on cards like uh, Spears of Surreality mm-hmm. and um, Shimmers, Shimmers Fractal. of Silver. Yeah, Shimmers of Silver, that's a different character, but I'd love to see oh. her. Um, Fractal Replication, um, that that character, uh, she's like a, a darker-skinned woman with like white hair. Oh, yes, uh, yes. I, I love seeing... Uh, repeats of certain characters in both the flavor text and the card art because that's actually how we figured out Volda Brightax was the thing because she was on a couple cards in Welcome to Wraith and I was like she's probably going to be a guardian in in a future set and I was right about that so yeah. I, I definitely think they drop hints to a lot of things like that so definitely. I love looking at all the flavor text and 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 the artwork and being like I'd love to see that character as a hero you know I think uh, Valda kind of really, really confirmed all that, which is really cool because now you know that we're going to get the the guy on Mangle or, you know, and pulverize <laughs> the guy with those big horns and stuff like that in a, in a Guardian form. I, hopefully not too soon. I don't think we need a new Guardian anytime soon. Yeah, but not for a bit. When eventually that happens, you know that's going to be one of the most badass heroes in the game. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I personally... I'm really interested in, uh, so in in the card Spill Blood, um, mm. which is the from Monarch the the one uh, costed red warrior action with three defense, actions you control gain plus two and dominate until on a turn go again. So it's the, that is the the reason to play like Dory axes and even Bolton axes mm. to a certain extent. Um, but you get this depiction of like this really. <laughs> just absolutely insanely huge axe on this guy's yeah, shoulder bad. with almost like a Spartan helmet. And uh, the, the flavor text is, uh, I expected you to live longer. And the, <laughs> and, and the name is Danu Ashengard. I, I wonder, do you think that's, that's a, that could possibly be the name of a, a future warrior that's going to wield some, some big old uh, insane axe going um, forward? Yeah, I I definitely think so. Um, I I think just based on the artwork and the name Ashen Guard, it really speaks mm-hmm. Volcor. Oh yeah, um, which makes me think that if they're going to be from anywhere, it'd be from Volcor. That's exciting. Um, so that could be a possibility because I do also know that you want to talk about potential upcoming sets, and a lot oh, of yeah. people have been thinking about Volcor as a potential. Um, 
but yeah, the name Ashen Guard just screams Volcor, you know, volcano, ash, fire. It just makes sense, you know, and and Guard, uh, you know, that really references the fighting forces of Volcor, you know, the armies and whatnot. So, um, and I mean, also, I think in the card Shatter, which we yep. got from Everfest, I think that shows an axe slamming into a shield. It sure does. Um, so I did a yeah. whole video on 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 that card because. It says it says target two-handed weapon, which we don't have a two-handed mm. axe outside of ravenous meat axe, which you can't play shatter with. Um, yeah. Uh, so we're definitely getting some kind of two-handed axe in the future. Um, mm. Very excited about that, but um, I'm glad you Let's did see. bring that up, and I'm glad you did bring up Volcord because there is heavy speculation <clears throat> that the next booster set will take place on Volcord. Uh, what can you tell us about Volcor? So Volcor is very interesting because there's a lot of political dynamics at play. Mm-hmm. Um, so for those that don't know, Volcor is pretty much a monarchy, um, which is one of the reasons why when we got teasers for Monarch, a lot of people thought Volcor. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's... It's probably more like a dynasty. I don't know the difference between a dynasty and a monarchy. They're, they're very similar. Um, but basically, they have a emperor and an empress. Um, and they have a royal bloodline that they believe is connected to an ancient... It's pretty much implied that it's a dragon um, that sleeps under Mount Volcor, which is where the, the royal palace sits. Um, and they believe that is what created the rivers of lava in Volcor and created the the volcano itself um <clears throat> so there's a lot of like royalty royal bloodline type stuff and the royal bloodline seems to give whoever is born into it the abilities to like uh, control fire and have access to fire magic mm-hmm. um which i'm still trying to figure out how that's connected to something called aether affinity which is talked about a lot in Sutcliffe's uh background and backstory which either affinity is something that people need in order to cast magic um and it's kind of connected to the royal bloodline but their form of magic seems to be slightly different than the normal either magic um i'm still trying to figure that out i think we need a few more bits of the puzzle before i can really sort of confirm any of that Mm -hmm. but yeah there's a royal bloodline there's a bunch of wizards as part of their court um, so obviously if we go to Volcor, we could see another wizard. I mean, we've got Kano from Volcor, so that makes sense. Okay, um, so yeah, that was also, my next question. Like, Kano yeah. is related and from Volcor? Mm. Yeah, so Kano's from Volcor. Um, he's a bit of a special individual because he seems to have found some... It's actually not said where, I think, but in his backstory, it's actually talked about how he found some... I think it was some ancient scrolls that had um, archaic incantations on them that allowed him to manipulate Aether uh, more effectively because uh, there's something called, I think the Trial of Embers is what it's called, which is Mm. if you want to sort of rise up through the ranks of being a wizard in the courts, you have to go through the Trial of Embers where you'll be given uh, challenges where the one that uh, is described in his backstory is there's a basin that's in front of each of the students that's full of lava and they have to use their innate fire magic to try control and shape the lava and pull it from the basin and like 
make it swirl around and many of the students just straight up failed but because Kano had access to this incantation it gave him much easier control over the lava and he's able to like flourish it around and whatnot um so yeah he has some some sort of extra knowledge uh behind him which makes him uh, uh, uh an interest to the lord wizards in volcor um mm-hmm. who actually bring him in and be like okay how did you do that like come on <laughs> you know <laughs> did you have something extra that you're doing or are you actually this good and that's when he kind of spills the beans but um yeah, so, so Kano's a, a big part of that. He's been given the title of Drakai of Aether by the Emperor himself. Uh, not that the Emperor specifically talked to him. He used another relative of his family to talk to Kano because, you know, Emperor ain't got time to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, uh, basically the Emperor's tasked him with figuring out what's going on with the Aetheric disturbance that's happening at the moment because something's going wrong with Aether. Uh, Aether's kind of like a baseline energy that kind of permeates throughout all of Wraith. Mm-hmm. Um, and and there's something going on. There's some weird shenanigans going on. Aether's not feeling right. Magic's not acting how it's normally meant to act. So, uh, you know, there's some, some interesting storyline uh, behind Kano that could definitely be developed in another set, but uh, another interesting part of Volcor is the sort of the the lower echelon of the society where the working class is kind of forced to be slaves under the generals that control massive armies. But there's also interesting dynamic in that there are multiple generals all fighting for control over over Volcor and its people and, and the, the forces that it has. So there's a lot of backstabbing and uh you know diplomacy and and political intrigue which i think would be really cool to um sort of focus on as Mm -hmm. as part of a storyline if we do go to volcor i think an assassin from volcor would be very interesting one that's sent out to kill some of the generals by another general um that would be because we have had we have had, uh, in the law book, Assassin is listed as one of the professions in Wraith, so a lot of people think that will be a class. Um, so yeah, there's a, there's a lot of interesting ways they can go about developing a story if we were to go to Volcor. Um, you'd have the, the working class, you'd have the generals and, and the soldiers within Volcor, you'd have the royal court and their diplomacy, because there's a lot of backstabbing in that as well. Um, so yeah, uh, Volcor is very interesting. Uh, it's very focused on, you know, uh, sort of the storylines that you'd see in, like, both, uh, Eastern, Eastern regions and Eastern history, where there was a lot of backstabbing and royal bloodline Mm -hmm. tie-ins and, you know... The, the Emperor has a son and then all of a sudden all of the Emperor's consorts are, you know, consorts and, and servants and uh, assistants are trying to like kill the sun so they can get in line for the throne and you know stuff like that so it's pretty interesting yeah i'm I'm curious to see what they do that seems that seems like a a, like first of all quite the uh the mess on volcor to be honest um yeah it it ain't a a good place to live (laughs) yeah but uh but probably will make for an amazing booster set do you do you um well okay i have two questions do you think volcor is our next destination 
And if it is, what we're, you know, we're seeing talents a lot more often with Tales of Aria mm. and, and Monarch. Uh, do you think we'd get new talents? Do you think we'd get some of the old talents uh, or no um, talents at all? I think it's inevitable. Mm-hmm. I think the way that LSS has, has planned out the sets is very deliberate. Mm-hmm. The first two sets um, was basically showing us the regions of Wraith. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Crucible, you know, that's a supplemental set, so that just added on to it. And then once they hit Monarch, they're like, okay, we're going through every single region, and we're fleshing it out. Okay. I don't think we're going to get another general set, per se. I think if we do, that's what the supplemental sets would focus on. Yeah. Um, so I definitely think that we're going to, in upcoming sets, have the focus of the set be on one specific region or maybe two at the same time. And I think that they're going to have talents in every single set until they finish going around all of Wraith. Um, like new so, talents, you think? Yeah, new talents. They might mm-hmm. go back, but I think the only time they would go back is if they have a supplemental set, mm-hmm. like Everfest. Um, but they actually didn't have any talent stuff in in Everfest, which was quite interesting. It was. Um, it was. <laughs> so we got no support for, like, light or shadow. Uh, we didn't even get elemental. Yeah, uh, not really. Uh, I mean, we kind of did with, like, you know, Starbo. And Iceland. But that doesn't really yeah. count. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, there's no actual class cards to play with. But um, I think Volcor is definitely up there on my list of places to go. I think... The two most likely places that we're going next is Volcor and Mysteria. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the flavor text and the artwork on cards that we've already seen points towards that. Um, for example, Seek Horizon, which came out in came Monarch. Out in Monarch. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that depicts Mysteria and the flavor text points towards the fact that Mysteria knows something is coming. So it kind of, it kind of hints at the possibility that Mysteria could be the next set. Um, I initially thought before Tales of Aria came out that it was going to be between Aria and Mysteria. Um, so I think at this point, it's pretty likely that we'll get Mysteria. So I'm thinking maybe they'll do a, a two, sort of a two region uh, focus for this next set. Um, oh, that's interesting. And I think it will be Volcor and Mysteria, which would be an interesting dynamic. Um, in terms of the talents, I've, I've been trying to rack my brain as to what the talents for each region could be. I don't think they're going to go and add extra elements to the elemental talent. Like no fire or anything like that? <clears throat> I, think, I think if we do get fire, you're not going to be able to play it with elemental. Um, mm-hmm. and the reason for that is because elemental is strictly Arya's thing. Yeah. And it wouldn't make sense if you had fire become an element that could be added onto that, but it wasn't a part of Arya. Okay. So I think from Volcor, if we do get a talent, it could be fire, but I think what's more likely is draconic. So. Interesting. I think they're going to focus more on the Draconic Bloodline. So instead of having a, 
like a fire warrior, they might have a draconic warrior, and it might obviously have some tie-in to, you know, fire-based attacks or some sort of burn. Maybe there'll be a burn token instead of a frostbite token where oh. you take extra damage or something, <laughs> which would really be pretty cool. cool. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I, I think draconic is probably the closest that I could think of, or maybe drakai is what they would call it. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I I think I think that's my guess for for a talent for Volcor, um, and then for Mysteria, God knows, uh, Wind maybe, uh, but I also thought maybe like Oracle or like Seer or something to do with with maybe fortune telling to an extent. There's there's a lot of like um, if you look at the card, um, Nourishing Emptiness. Mm -hmm. It's very Mysterian in aesthetic, and it it shows a like a storyteller or like uh someone who can who can kind of glimpse the future um is kind of the overall theme i get from that card because in the background you see depictions of the other heroes you know being killed and stuff um so i think there'll be some sort of maybe some sort of like opt mechanic for the talent for mysteria maybe you can look at the top couple cards and like opt a bunch or I don't know, something like that yeah. for Mysterio to get that. So that's my that's that's my guess. I'll lock that in for All the right. next set. Well, you right. you heard it here <laughs> first, folks. <laughs> you heard it here uh, first. I'm going to be completely wrong. <laughs> uh, well, you know what? You never you never know. Um, uh, Capolo was was spot on on stalagmite. That uh, was crazy. That was oh pretty crazy, right? Uh, so yeah. you know, hey, uh, Kale from Dead Summer Art. Just uh, laying down some bold predictions. <laughs> N now, <laughs> uh, it's it's pretty clear that LSS takes like a top-down design approach in their game design, which I personally really like. Do you believe they've been successful in doing so? And do you do you believe they've missed on any cards, sets, um, you know, like Rosetta Thorn in a way? Rosetta Thorn, yeah. <laughs> um, I. I'm sure there was reasons why they didn't make Rosetta Thorn elemental. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, obviously them allowing non-elemental Runeblades to use it. Bit of a flavor fail to an extent. And, you know, mechanically it was probably for the best if they didn't allow that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think they've taken the right approach to, to building the lore of Flesh and Blood. They've, they've made a very solid foundation... Um, oh, there goes my phone. <laughs> I should probably put that on silent one second. <laughs> yeah, they've they've made a solid foundation and and really built up each of the regions to be special on their own and to be unique. Um, I I think that was the best way to go about it. Um, just so they they just dropped hints really mm -hmm. to a lot of the lore that could exist, which is good because if you just spell out everything that's in the law makes it very boring there's no room for speculation or guessing or or hype as to as to like oh you know um i i, I wonder what's you know further into the pits you know i really want to explore the pits we don't know too much about it or mm -hmm. you know um you know mysteria you know what's going on with all that and and volcor so i think they've done it very well very smart They've told us just enough to get interested and then left the rest for future sets. 
which, you know, if they just leave, if they just spell it out, they're like, oh yeah, this is what's in the pits. This is everything. You know, it's like, oh, I don't care if we go to the pits because we already know everything about it, you know? So I think the top-down design approach was was very good. Uh, in terms of things that they've missed, um, I don't know. I <clears throat> It's very hard to think what what's kind of a flavor fail. Um, I do think they missed out. <laughs> this is just a, a random thing that I've talked about with other people. The card from Everfest, Wax On, which is a defense reaction. <laughs> yeah. They needed an attack reaction called Wax Off. I like, I agree, man. I've been saying <laughs> that every episode. Oh my God. Like, dude. <laughs> I, well, Where's I'm, Wax Off? I need Wax Off. <laughs> I, that's coming in, uh, in, in Mysteria. I'm, I'm telling you, it has to. Probably. probably. Yeah. It had, but, you uh, know, it felt like a really big opportunity they missed there. But yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I really don't think they've they've missed on anything. And if they have, it's been so minor that I can't think of it off the top of my head. Um, yeah, they've just done <clears throat> such an amazing job hiring good writers, mm-hmm. which is very understated in in a company. You know, companies will just look at pure profit margins you know as to whether or not the game's succeeding they don't often look at the long-term success of it which you know wizards of the coast i i think they fired like a a whole department of their writing team around about war of the spark probably (laughs) um it checks out you know yeah it definitely checks out so I, i think that's just such a bad idea because while having good lore doesn't necessarily sell the game to new players it keeps players around. It keeps them invested. It keeps them hyped for new sets. It gets them making fan art and and fan fiction and and cosplays. You know, we're getting a lot more cosplays nowadays, which mm-hmm. they will post it on on their social medias, and people are like, oh, that's that's a cool cosplay. What's that from? You know, I want to yeah. I want to try out that game that is from. You know, it it keeps players around for the long term, which means more sales. But it's it's a long term investment to to create good lore for your card game it, um, it really and, is. and i think they've i think they've invested more than enough in good lore and i hope they continue to to keep the quality of writing uh at a high quality because it's it's definitely working i mean i've dedicated my entire channel around it so it's <laughs> got to be you know somewhat decent so <laughs> yeah i mean it, it's it's uh, you know i i agree a hundred percent that you know you have to kind of have that long-term vision especially when it comes to something like lore, because you, know, you could easily, they could have easily said, like just reference Volcor and been like, ah, you know what, we'll get there eventually or something like that. But like, it, mm. it's, it's very clear that they had a plan um, with everything so far. Yeah. Um, you know, and obviously there've been some misses on design uh, from a card game perspective. Uh, for yep. sure, yeah. uh, as we saw with uh, Briar making them, um, you know, x, x amount of embodiments yeah. and Dustblade, Dustblade, and Starvo, Seas of Agony. But those are growing pains. That's like hard when you have a small team. Like it, you have to understand it's that it's inevitable. Like, yeah. yeah, it's like you you can't test everything like you know thousands of people are testing. Um, so yeah. it, it is what it is. But yeah, you you bring up some excellent points. But now. Uh, which hero do you want to win the Pro Tour in uh, my home state of New Jersey in May? 
I gotta say Viscera, obviously, but <laughs> you know, I I want an underdog to win. I just want a hero just to you know, as I said earlier, I love I love going against the grain of the meta. I just want someone to play something just so out of left field and just because people aren't preparing for it, just take the you know, take the top tables by storm and and just come through, you know. Maybe so, Azalea? I don't know. I don't think Azalea could do it, but, you know. <laughs> sorry, Azalea fans. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, Lexi probably a little more likely. I will say that. Lexi's, um, Lexi's making some waves. Lexi's yeah. making some waves. So, I, um, it's, yeah. I, I'm in the same boat as you. Everybody loves an underdog, right? Uh, and But if, if Starvo winning means living legend... <laughs> I think I think it's fine. I think it's fine to root for Starvo because you know let's just get him out of here. That's that's all. I, <laughs> at this point, I'm just like because I, I was a I was an indie and he he won the battle hard and end the calling. So I was like, mm. okay, just get all the points now. Just do it. But um, you know, but other than that, I, I, yeah, I I'd like to give my opinion on Starvo actually. So yeah, go for it. I I've only got experience playing against Starvo once. Because my local meta doesn't really play Starvo. Um, that must be nice. And... <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we don't play meta decks, really. Like, there's one person that he's a younger kid and he kind of net decks. But, like, he doesn't play the top heroes. Like, he's playing a Dorinthia Axe build at the moment, which is oh, brutal. Awesome. Uh, it, it's actually so good. I was just like, oh, my God, this is a nightmare. But, like, you know, he'll net deck it. But, like, he's not playing, you know, the Starvos or the Prisms or, or the mm -hmm. Viscerals or anything. So... Um, I versed Starvo for the first time on the weekend because we had a uh, classic constructed event. And I don't know if the person I was versing just played it wrong. Uh, you know, he's a, he's a pretty good player. Um, he said that he built it a little bit different to the normal Starvo decks. Mm -hmm. But I crushed him with Viscerai. I ended the game with 30 life. Holy it was, smokes. It was, it was such a flogging, <laughs> like... He did say he got some bad hands, and I did get some pretty fire hands. Um, but yeah, I just... I, I crushed him so hard. I was like, is this really Starvo? But I'm sure... I'm sure if I versed like an actual top-tier Starvo, it'd be worse. But just from seeing play rates and win percentages, I've seen other people say the same thing. I think this is a fairly healthy meta. Um, there's a good... There's a good variety of heroes, you know? It's not 90% chain and, like, 10% prism like it was at... Was it Vegas, I think? Like, yeah, the top tables, yeah. it was, like, six chains, a prism, and and a dash, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> there's a good variety. I feel like the, I feel like any hero can really break through and, and really make a splash. But obviously, you know, there are Starvo and prism... Mm -hmm. and and Viserai now and i think chain is still around and kicking um yeah i i i don't think he's nearly as much as a problem as a lot of people say but yeah. i don't have the full experience of versing him so you know i can't say too much you know take my opinion with a grain of salt but i i i still think it's anyone's game i just think people are gravitate uh, uh gravitating towards uh starvo just because he has such a large card pool. He has a very mm -hmm. good ability. He's just very straightforward to play. And, you know, whenever a new hero comes out, if it seems semi-good, people just jump on it, you know? That's what people did with Chain. It's what people did with Briar. Um, you know, Starvo now, so... Yeah. yeah, 
I, I agree. If he gets it, Living Legend, I won't be surprised. But, you know, I don't think he needs to get Living Legend. But No, no. I mean, it's hard to say. I, I know that they just announced uh, two more Battle Hardens um, in Europe, in Madrid, and uh, I think it was Frankfurt. Mm. Um, yes. So, which is going to, if he wins those, he'll pad his numbers into the Pro Tour even, even more. Which the Pro Tour, I believe, will have a Pro Tour calling and Battle Harden. So, mm. um Chances are we're gonna see living. He's like already at like eight hundred something points. Um, Wait, is he? Uh, after this weekend, because he won both the calling and the battle harden, I think that's like another one hundred fifty points. Um, Jeez, uh, I actually need to look at this now. <laughs> yeah, so he's like he's like you know I know he's what you're saying in terms of like um it's it's it is kind of a healthy meta, but Starvo's conversion rate and especially in the right hands. Is, is, oh my god! I'm looking at him right now. He's 814 points. He needs a thousand. Yeah, yeah. So and he's been out for three months, two, two months. months. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like it's. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, the ProQuest season really kind of accelerated that because there was a ton for four weeks. But like, yeah. Uh, I mean, it is what it is. Whatever. If he gets Living Legend, he gets Living Legend. That's like all right. Well, you clean our hands and, and move on. People could still play original Bravo, or they can move back over to Oldham. Um, because it's not like there's any specific cards to his deck that are going to, you know, really destroy anybody's chances to play yeah. those decks. And, um, just another thing as well, I do believe with Living Legend, even if they hit a thousand points, they're still legal until the next set comes out. So yeah. why, why they're doing that is so if it's a class that only has one hero, like Prism, mm -hmm. uh, they can just quickly be like oh yeah we'll, we'll chuck this this hero into this set <laughs> yeah. to replace it so that way you know illusionist doesn't have no hero so yeah yeah so i i, I think uh i think most likely we'll see the living legend um effect happen to starvo unless they do something on the april announcement uh in two weeks uh the band restricted <laughs> yeah we'll see i mean maybe they just let him run rampant which is fine fine by me um uh but yeah i mean if, if if it means him giving getting living legends i'm rooting for starvo to win the pro tour but other otherwise you you know i'm rooting for for Leviah, uh a hundred percent and i believe mm -hmm. i believe Mansant is qualified for the pro tour so uh i'd be pretty disappointed he's a, good he's a great player and 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 uh i would love to see him run it uh run some Leviah in the pro tour i know i'll be bringing Leviah to the calling a hundred percent um mm. and uh mm. you know get some spice going um before we go uh you know how was your take on the future of the game from the creator side of things um do you, do you find the the game to be a really healthy and um i guess positive point right now yeah i i think it's at a pretty good point obviously you know during monarch and and tails you know a lot of people were doom and gloom you know mm -hmm. certain decks running rampant on the meta and a lot of the investors on that side of it you know the card prices were going down for a while mm -hmm. um but i think the game's as healthy as it's ever been um i i think the vast majority of people who play flesh and blood are just regular people uh yeah. just casuals um so i think where they're at at the moment is pretty good obviously there's some some things that they want to change with first edition and unlimited which i think is good yep. um and they're coming out with more products that aren't just 
boosters and blitz decks, you know, classic battles is amazing. I think it's a bit high priced for what it is, but you know, depends what exactly is in it. It might mm-hmm. be worth that. Um, but you know, 50 us dollars is, it's quite a lot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you know, I, I think LSS, you know, they're a small company and they've gotten this massive success, this big boom, but I think they're handling it extremely well, very professionally. And, you know, I think people just have to cut them a little bit of slack because they are small. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to address issues. You know, they've got their finger on the pulse of the community. They listen to to people. Obviously, it gets harder the more people there are. But, you know, they watch our YouTube videos and our, listen to our podcasts and and talk to us in person, the creators and the pros and just normal people in general. So everything we complain about, they hear it. They're mm-hmm. not deaf to it. They they are addressing it, but they have a <clears throat> a set plan for the game, and I think we just have to trust in the process for the most part. You know, if after a couple years certain issues aren't addressed, then maybe start getting worried. But I mean, most of the issues people have, the issues disappear in a couple months. You know, people are like, "Oh, Briar's running rampant." <laughs> yeah. Nobody talks about Briar anymore. You know? No, no, <laughs> definitely not. And and you know, and come the next set, we probably won't be talking about Starro anymore. <laughs> um yeah but, yeah <laughs> uh and also you know one note to, to say and i don't know if this is 100 percent true but i believe um the finals of the calling indianapolis had uh 2.2 k viewers which is oh really which is pretty huge honestly um that's good which is great yeah. you know uh, i think uh you know obviously just one data point in 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 a sea of tons of data points, but uh, something to, you know, kind of hold on to. Uh, but Kale, this has been just like such an awesome conversation. I just love being able to kind of get into the weeds like this and I'm glad yeah, you yeah. came on. Um, could you please plug uh, all of your things that you want to plug? I know you just started a discord, which I, I believe I joined. Yes, you have joined. Um, so yeah, obviously uh, YouTube, Dead Summer Art, um, I make law content, very artsy type law content, so lots of animating of the artwork, lots of narration, voiceovers, sound effects, music, you know, the whole jazz. Uh, I'm also on Twitter, uh, Dead Summer Art, um, I've got a Discord now uh, for a new sort of, I guess, brand or collective, I like to call it, it's called Eternal Oracles, uh, it's dedicated to the lore and creative side of Flesh and Blood. So if you love fan art, fan fiction, cosplays, just talking about the lore, feel free to jump into that. All of my links are on my uh, Twitter bio. I think I have a link tree on there at the moment, uh, same as my YouTube. Um, I do also have a TikTok account, which (laughs) I've only uploaded two things to, uh, and I haven't uploaded to it in probably about nine months to a year. (laughs) But, uh, you know, I'll I'll be putting some stuff up there eventually and... Yeah, obviously, keep your eyes out for a new video that I have coming out, hopefully soon, yeah. uh, featuring Tommy, of course. Um, it will Can't be wait. the battle the battle for Wraith, which will be discussing uh, the invasion of Wraith by the Old Ones, uh, and sort of the forces of Wraith that came together to try to stop it, including Old Him. So, keep an eye out for that. Uh, 
yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I'm trying my best to get content out as fast as possible, but life gets in the way and motivation is a bitch sometimes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I'm sure I'm, I'm, we're going to get all the people on you to at least release the one uh, that I'm in. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I'm, no, I'm, I'm very excited. Planning to get that out soon, so. Yeah, I'm excited to see the final, um, you know, product of, of that. Um the the script that you did send me which was awesome so i am very excited to see what it all all pans out to be but uh um uh, my plugs for for all the people out there uh you know twitter still at fresh beds pod um you can email the show fresh at gmail.com you can listen to it on all platforms you can you know like subscribe you know all that stuff on youtube and um join the discord the buds it's a good group of good group of folks in there we have a lot of fun we play games we post pictures of food and and capolo just roasts me all the time so um <laughs> it's, 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 it's a good just... discord i've i've been lurking in there and it's good i like it <laughs> yeah it's, it's, it's fun in there and um and i always like to close out the 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 show talking a little bit about food um so kale i'd like you to share with me um, just, just some food that you like, really like, or, or even like a local dish or, or anything. Um, well, I'm, I'm technically Italian in blood to an extent, so I love my pasta. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Who doesn't? Um, I, yeah, I absolutely love lasagna. Um, mm-hmm. one of my all time favorite dishes is my mum's homemade lasagna with chips or as Americans would call them fries, although, you know, they're more thicker cut. Okay, um, like a steak fry. That's what we call it. Over yeah, here. a steak fry is, is <laughs> what you guys would call them, but we just call them chips. Um, yeah, Australian thing. Um, yeah, I love all the the usual Australian stuff. Um, I'm a big fan of chili con carne. I've 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 got my own sort of cheap and easy recipe that I love to make whenever I'm broke. <laughs> uh, so that's always good. Um, yeah, and I've I've mostly got a bit of a sweet tooth. I love like chocolate candy but i can't eat it nearly as much as i used to <laughs> it just wrecks havoc on my body <laughs> so, yeah, I feel um, that. yeah you know i'm just a i'm just a fan of everything that's that's not good for you <laughs> i i feel you so. as you've probably seen in the the food picks uh <clears throat> um thread in my discord i'm usually posting stuff that i probably shouldn't be eating but some lasagna. <laughs> I've never heard of lasagna with French fries. Um, it's good. It's good. I mean, um, I, I don't doubt it. I mean, it's like two really amazing things. Like, I can't imagine they're like, I mean, you just have the fries on the side or just, you know, Yeah, just on the side. I mean, when you, when you cut up your lasagna, you know, you stab a couple chips on your fork and, you know, dunk it into the lasagna. Oh, oh it's, wow. it's heaven. Bit of salt on top. Dang, all right well i already ate tonight but now i'm like hungry for some more food but um kale i really appreciate you coming on uh this was, this was a lot of fun and thanks for having me um, this is i awesome. know everybody's uh, really gonna enjoy it um everybody please check out all of kale's stuff and i will see you all next week <laughs>